Welcome to the Classic Car Corner Podcast. We are proudly sponsored by GD Herring, Classic Car Insurers, providing a range of insurance solutions for your business, your life, and your home. Contact them at gdherring.com for a customized quote. In addition to insurance, GD Herring provides Classic Car appraisal and pre-purchase inspection services. If you are interested in collecting and investing in classic cars, check out my book, Drop Throttle Oversteer, now available at Amazon in paperback. An honest review of the book is always greatly appreciated. I'm Jason Painter, and co-hosting today is John Lockhart and Eric Benzel. Along with our guest today is Andy Stotman. Andy enjoys um, uh, automotive puzzles, but not the ones that you put on the kitchen table. So uh, tell us a little bit about your Camaro that you found in California, Andy. Well, all right. Um, we went to Disneyland, and we had some friends that watched our house for us. On the way back, we took them out for lunch, and the gentleman happened to say that he had a 68 Camaro in his barn that he had bought with the intent of flipping. I immediately said, hmm, let's go take a look. So I went over, took a look at it, asked him how much he wanted. He said, I'll take 5000 bucks." I said, sold. It was an original Van Nuys California car. It had been stripped down to literally nothing. The engine was sitting on a block. There was a pile of parts on the left. It took me the better part of four days to get everything into the garage. Wow. My wife, Julie, looked at it and said... <clears throat> What the blank. <laughs> and that started my quest for figuring out how to rebuild a car from scratch. Right, right. And so for our listeners who enjoy this, uh, it, it's the rebuild of the vehicle because technically the whole front end of this car was gone. I mean, this car was pretty much in pieces. And you said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this thing together. So talk, talk to us a little bit about the processes that – you know, where do you start? What, what's the first thing you do when you have a car that's in pieces? And, and I actually looked around on the internet for checklist as opposed to a mental thoughts of what do I need to start with? I just looked out, hey, people have done this before me. Why reinvent the wheel? I'm going to find out where I need to start. What is ground zero? What does right look like? And let's go from there. What I quickly learned was uh, inventory of all of the parts you have available is the single most important thing you can do to start with. Mm -hmm. because that teaches you where you need to extend your effort, your money, and your time in trying to rebuild these cars. As you said, the car had a no front end on it. Well, for a Camaro, it has a small subframe on the front, which houses the doghouse around the engine compartment. I had four right fenders and three left fenders. Okay. All right. Don't know where they came from. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I asked the guy, Kevin, I said, where are all these parts? And he says, well, I was working and I just acquired these. Three of them had bullet holes. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. And two mm -hmm. of them were so rusted out that they were they were useless. He okay. did say it was a California car. <laughs> so that makes sense. Very true. <laughs> exactly. So once I, uh, once I pulled down a list of where I needed to start, it was then based on, I said, okay, do I want to rebuild it and then have it painted? Or do I want to have it painted and then rebuild it? My thought was, if I rebuild the car completely, then have it painted, the interior is going to be just trash nasty because of all the sanding, all the paint. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go ahead and rebuild the car from the bottom up to a shell, have it painted, and have it done. So my first step was to strip it down to literally nothing. Mm -hmm. Take off every door handle, label with Ziploc bags and a Sharpie. Uh, found a guy local there in California, which was great because there's one on every corner as opposed to here in Kentucky. It right. just doesn't exist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, took it in, and I had it media blasted. Then I took it over to a little small paint shop mm -hmm. that was near where I lived. And um, had the guy put on two coats of epoxy primer. Gotcha. Okay. So I get it back in the garage, and I've got a body, and that's it. So okay. that was where my start was. That's what I need to know. 
make sure I had a good starting point mm-hmm. before I added anything to it. Right. Yep. Because if I started one place and realized, oh, this is really messed up, then I had to go back and, and redo something. Right. So is this the first time you've ever taken on a project like that, a total rebuild from yes. parts? Yes. So was it something you were looking to do or it just kind of fell in your lap at your first car to build just happened to be in total pieces instead of mm-hmm. needing to be rebuilt and, and refixed in certain ways. My mind works in putting things back together. Mm-hmm. That's what I enjoy. And not to get into it for this show, but I was going through a time dealing with the loss of my, I got divorced and I was missing my kids and I needed something to focus on that allowed me to take my mind off of mm-hmm. that part. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I would put eight, 10 hours a day into this car where even my wife, Julie, and she understood and she was great about it. She'd come out at 10 o'clock at night and she'd flip the lights on and off in the garage and say, it's 11. It's time to come <laughs> in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thought of rebuilding a car from nothing to something was just so intriguing to me that I thought, if I can do this, there's really not much else I can't build. I mean, there's really nothing that I can't accomplish automotive-wise. And I wanted the project. I wanted to get into it. I really, it was something that I jumped at the chance to do just because I like learning. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So you're, you're, it's a 68 Camaro. Uh, it, putting this together and well, disassembling it further and then starting to rebuild it as opposed to modern cars, which have umpteen computers on it, wiring harnesses for miles would this? Would you say that this was pretty much a tame vehicle to get into, as far as with the number of working parts that you really had to get into? The engine is fuel injected or carbureted. Um, yeah, or just like it, you have a transmission, mm-hmm. <clears throat> transfer case, Everything, axles, wheels, engine. You've got cooling you, system. You've got engine. You've got your. You've got your running gear. Mm-hmm. That is your engine all the way back to the rear end. You've got your body. You've got your interior. You've got your wiring, your climate control. And then the sky's the limit as far as what customizations you wanted to do on the car. Okay. Uh, When I got the car, the the gentleman had already had the engine rebuilt. He had it bored 30 over, which means he had it taken to a shop. He had a new crank, new rods, new pistons put in it. I didn't know anything about it. He didn't have any information as to what type of lifters it had, what the camshaft uh, rotation was, what its intake uh, exhaust was. And all of these things were things that I was learning and wanted to get into. Mm -hmm. Learning what stall speeds are in torque converters, learning final drive ratios, rear ends versus a 343 or a 371. Uh, Did I want to have a did I want to keep the power glide that was the original two-speed power glide in it, or do I want it to upgrade to a 700 R4 or a 400, 700, 700 R4 or a 400? I can't remember. That's all right. Or did I want to put a Tremec or a TKO? Right. What did I want to put in to make it my own? And were these, uh, Jason, I have to get the, correct me on the terminology on here. They didn't have. Did they have posi traction on these, or is that one of those things that you? That was an option. Option. Mm-hmm. It was that an was option. a definite yeah. option. And, and posi traction. They did not come Jason, from the factory with with posi it traction. Was an op- you could but have, it was an upgraded option for I think when you get into the super sports and things. When like you got that. up into higher ends, yeah, yeah, you could get a locker rear end on it. Yep, that was that, a positive that, traction. That's it. Yep. yep. And yep. and for our casual listener, posi traction versus the other. What's the difference? Well, Jason? It, it's. 
the locking ability of you lay the down elevens instead of a one. Yeah, that's perfect. Right. There you go. So so <laughs> so here's here's another good question though because the guys who are you did this as a project to kind of customize that you this was your particular build. Yeah. You had mentioned the car had four or five different fenders and this at the other. So so to the enthusiast who I would actually would have liked to have taken that car back to its stock standards, the numbers matching is really a key ingredient to this. And I believe you alluded to that this car did have some number matching the the engine block had numbers matching transfer or the uh, transmission bell house was numbers. When it came yeah. to that year, the transmission did not have a VIN on it because there was multiple transmissions you could get on them. Mm. But the engine was the original. So I had a matching, the original you know, 302, small block Chevy was the original engine. I had the original power glide, but I didn't want to go with it. Was I, as I dug into it, the front subframe had been wrecked and repaired. Okay. So I had to buy a whole nother subframe. Okay. Which I found no VIN numbers on any of those items. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and to, to the listeners, mm-hmm. you got a frame. How, I mean, I, I think I know how to, to decipher whether it's been hit or collapsed or fatigued. Mm-hmm. What are the telltale signs for these folks that are listening? As I rebuilt the front end, took off the front drive lines, the, the front knuckles, the steering knuckles, all of the stuff to get it in to get powder coated, mm-hmm. I noticed there was a weld and torch and weld marks on the right side of the frame that told me that the car had been T-boned or hit something from the passenger side, pushed the frame in at least you know eight or ten inches, mm-hmm. and then had been bent out. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's what told me it was bad. And if I was going to put all this time and effort into building this car... Right. I didn't want to have a bent frame. Right. Sure. And so that was another $1,000 expense that mm-hmm. I had never budgeted for or thought about. Before. Right. And and that's that's another key ingredient to these cars and the re- rebuilds. Of course, I've never gotten into this degree that you have, but there's always that fund <laughs> that you got to have out there for the unanticipated. So, no, I, I, I definitely I budget that. at yeah. least 35 to 40% more then you think it's going to cost yeah because that will be the end all Mm -hmm. the the amount Mm -hmm. so um so the the engine that was already in the on the car on and it was on it it was on a stand stand. i actually picked it up we we put it on a stand onto a back of a spare tire in the back of a truck yep drove it to my house which happened to have an angle Mm -hmm. i bought an engine stand i picked it up and i moved it in the garage And, and, and away you go okay yeah very good all right. So, um, as far as um, some of the other features or some of, let's talk about the surprises. Uh, what what else were you like? Oh, okay. Well, this is kind of neat, or I didn't know this, or the biggest surprises to, to me when it comes to rebuilding a car was, yes, there are those who would restore it back to their absolute factory specs, meaning they can get a sticker and put it in the exact place on the spring, or have a, a crayon marker that they write on a hose to make sure it's concourse level. I never wanted that. I wanted to drive this and I wanted to enjoy it. Right. What shocked me the most was the rabbit holes I would go down for each individual section of the car, meaning front end. Oh, well, I don't want stock stamped A-arms. I want tubular A-arms. I want to readjust camber and caster. I want to have two-inch drop knuckles so I can have a lower ride, but yet I need to have a a tighter spring rate so I don't sag. Mm -hmm. I need to have a better uh, sway bar in the front so I don't, when I go into a turn, I don't dive in and rub, you know, rub tires. Oh, I got to make sure the offset of that rim 
clears right. the fender, fender. Mm-hmm. as I'm turning based on the amount of drop I'm putting on the front end. Right. Yep. That was gold to me because I could sit there and read all of this data and all this information and, and learn about uh, spring rates and, and, mm-hmm. and, and offsets of wheels. Mm-hmm. That to me was it was amazing and I enjoyed it. Right. So, so once you, once you built this, did you obviously take it to a facility that had the, um, uh, alignment rack or, or yes, there was a few things I did. I once, uh, down, towards the end, I, I put in uh, classic air, which is, a uh, an aftermarket company that provides an air conditioner. Basically it's a, and I, and I had it, I took it in to have that charged up and I had it aligned at the same time, okay. even though you can align a car in your garage with a tape measure and some, and some twine, mm-hmm. I figured if I was going to have it in, I might as well have <laughs> yeah. this done. Right. Put it on it's a like, computer, and yeah. yeah. Well, I find it fascinating that, and and it's something that you you that I think when you watch the car shows and they do a restoration, they kind of gloss over the fact they think, oh, we'll get this done in thirty days. Like it didn't take thirty days to do that. That took a year and thirty days, at least. And the devil in the details, what you just kind of what you t- glossed, what you talked about there, is huge because it's not a matter of taking it back to spec. It's probably if you're a first time rest doing a, building the car backs, like that's probably the more wise way to go because you've got predictable values to work with. But if you're going to modify it, like you said, it's like it's not just this. It's not just that you got to look at the steering, you got to look at the sway bar, you got to watch how it's going to dip. You're going to drive it over 30 miles an hour. It's probably going to move a little bit. It's going to bounce a little bit. Or what's the clearance over speed mountains? Or mm-hmm. it's just it's just amazing. Or now for interior, sure. Do you put modern gauges in it, or do you find older gauges? Because I'm sure the electrical system that came with it is not going to be the same for the electrical system that you're going to put. The into electrical it. system vanished at you know way before <laughs> I got that car. <laughs> I would say that the interior is probably the single most expensive part mm-hmm. of rebuilding a car from scratch. If a listener wants to go and look at a car to rebuild, if you have ninety percent of the interior and it's in good shape. You've saved half of your budget. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! It is truly the most expensive thing to do. What makes it so expensive for the interior? It's all the little parts, all the little things that a aren't made again. So when GM and Ford and all these companies made these cars in the '60s, they used what they used what's called pot metal. They would take all the leftover metals that they had from bumpers and and stamped front ends and aluminum, and they'd melt it in a pot, and make the little gauges. They'd make the little Camaro emblems. They'd make the little uh, upside down triangles that go on the door they'd make the fenders they'd make everything and it rusts it turns out it pits and it gets that nastiness and it just loses itself that stuff is expensive those are the things that end up being 30 and 40 dollars a little piece gotcha. if your frame of your seat is messed up you can either weld it yourself so i had to learn to weld i'd learn to mig weld just so i could make my seats work oh then it's buying the covers then it's getting the the right foam that goes in them I bought Recaro, like Recaro style seats to put in because I thought that would be cool because that was the style I was going with was a resto mod kind of rebuild. Mm-hmm. I couldn't fit in them. By the time I got in the car, I was sitting, I felt like my, my bottom was dragging on the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the factory seats, bought factory covers and put them in. And oh, by the way, yep, there's no headrest. Yeah. They come up <laughs> right. mid back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the back yep. seat, everything about the interior of a car is so expensive. To have a headliner done, it was almost 500 bucks. So, oh, wow. did you put sound deadening or fire retardant down on the the floorboards? So, and- when I was in college, I used to install stereos, and one of the big things was called dead mat or sound mat. It basically looked like a, it was a vinyl or a, excuse me, uh, an aluminum backed butyl membrane, 
Mm-hmm. Basically, I think you get anybody who's seen it, it looks like a really heavy-duty rubber with foil on the back of it. Um, I ended up buying roofing, which is the exact same stuff. It's just called a you know methyl butyl adhesive membrane. Mm-hmm. I went to a roofing store, and I bought three or four rolls of that for <laughs> okay. one-eighth of the cost of yeah. the name-brand stuff. Right. And I laid it down all over the car, all over the floorboard, all over the headliner, everything just to give it that sound deadening. Right, right. Okay. Very good. Very good. So what kind of steering did you put in this car? <laughs> steering was fun. I did have the original, uh, it did not have a rack and pinion. It mm-hmm. had a standard steering pitman and a pitman arm. Mm-hmm. But when I was dealing with front end suspension and geometry, A-arms, I thought I started reading about people putting in the steering system from an 89 IROC. Okay. Which is a third generation Camaro. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, GM made it so they fit right in there. <laughs> so I could wow. go down to if Napa don't fix it. Yeah. or AutoZone and say, hey, can I have a steering gearbox for 89 IROC? And they would ask, well, what model? What speed? What uh, what what transmission? I say, look, I don't need. Just I, I'm putting this in another vehicle. Well, I'm sorry, sir, we can't help you. So I ended up buying a lot of things online because you couldn't go to AutoZone or you couldn't go to Advance and say, hey, I'd like this part. But unless you know the exact car it's going in, uh, uh, we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So and that that what you just said was another question I was going to ask. So to the enthusiast who wants to rebuild these things. Yeah, there's going to be parts available, especially for the 67 to 69 Camaro, which are so popular. Mm-hmm. So so you're online searching. I mean, was oh. it specifically? I mean, it was probably all over the place. I, I mean, there's probably dedicated Camaro uh, uh, websites for this I stuff. I was but. very lucky that there was a shop in Rockland, California, which is about 30 miles away from where I live in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. This it, they, they stocked everything. I could get in my car, drive up there, and pick up a part. Whether it be new old stock or from Original Parts Group, which is a big, huge company that does, if you can't find it at Original Parts Group, they don't make it, mm-hmm. you know, for these for these cars. Mm-hmm. A lot of my stuff came from uh, online, like Rock Auto. I mean, I it was easier for me to get online, order it, and have it shipped to the house because I knew what I wanted. There are forums out there that list this stuff. People say, "Hey, this is the part number you need." I'd research that part number. I'd order it. It'd show up. Lo and behold, it would fit. But let me just add to this whole thing. I would say the single biggest advice I would tell somebody to do is not buy all of your parts ahead of time like I did. Okay. My thought was buy them as you need them. Let me have everything laid out so when I get to it, put put it right on. (laughs) I wasted a couple thousand dollars in parts that I never put on because as I got to that point, I went a different way. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Having the parts on hand is great. Good point. Okay. But you won't use them all and something will change. And then you're like, oh boy. Okay. So I have this part. I can't do anything with it. Like the seats. I had bought the seats early thinking, oh, this is what I want. And then I couldn't use them. didn't fit right in the They car. didn't fit yeah. right. didn't work. It was a lot better off to, to order the parts in a just-in-time inventory. Just have them when I need them. Okay, I need to take a break for two days. Then I'll get back on it. It also allows you to stay enthused about the work as opposed to this seven day straight just nug Mm -hmm. working it out right so let's get down to brass tacks here so what was the time frame from picking it up trailing it to your garage Mm -hmm. and driving down the road shaking heads 10 months 10 months that's impressive all by yourself all by myself nice that is impressive the only thing that i did outsource was i sent the body out to be painted Mm -hmm. sure sure once i got the whole car together I got the doghouse put on, lined up with all of its widgets, and they have little gauges you put in to space everything out. Uh, I found a local shop there in uh, Sacramento, and I went to, went down there and told the guy, this isn't a show car. I'm driving it. I want it painted. 
$3,000 later and six weeks later, I had it back in my garage. Nice. Also, so since this is your first build, your first project, so how many, how much uh, money did you spend in tools that you had to have? <laughs> did you get that new fancy tool rack that you wanted? Say, I got to have it. I got to have them organized. I got to know what I got to get. Luckily, uh, I, I had a lot of my mechanics, my basic mechanics tools already. I was a mechanic when I was in the Army. Oh, perfect. It's not that I kept them by any means, but I knew what I needed and what I didn't need. Harbor Freight was your friend. Mm-hmm. I called them one-use tools. If you get two yeah. uses, you're doing well. Right. Uh, but in, a, in, a, in an instance, <laughs> if you need something, hey, you had it, you could get it with a 20% off coupon, and <laughs> there you go. And sometimes <laughs> buy one, get one free. <laughs> oh, and you always get a flashlight. And if you don't walk out with a free tarp, <laughs> yeah. you're not doing My it. My truck is full of flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, little three-inch <laughs> flashlights are perfect. There, there were several tools that I bought <laughs> specific for this, like rear-end tools, uh, some brake tools, mm-hmm. t- tools to deal with. Like I bought tools to deal with drum brakes, and then at the end I ended up converting the entire car to disc brakes. So again, same as with parts. I bought a tool to fix something that I ended up not gotcha. doing. Yep, gotcha. You know that's a that's a good point because you watch some of these other more honest little YouTubers that are shade tree mechanics, and they'll talk about, I got these wheels, I put them on this car, they look awful, mm-hmm. I don't like it, I shouldn't have gotten them, and they'll tell you the whole the buyer's remorse that you were just talking about. And they just start talking about how, you know, if you do this, get it done, get it painted, and then figure out what new wheel you want to put on here. Because you're going to have a better vision of what it looks like when it's done than when you think it's going to be done. And you realize, yeah, that shade doesn't real. That shade of chrome or uh, metallic whatever or powder coat that's on it. Even the design, like, no, no, that doesn't, that doesn't work as good. It's just I might put the original wheel back on it and, you know, that actually – Works better, and I didn't I, have to spend anything on it. I spent so much time picking the wheels for the car that I took Photoshop, traced out the car, and then I would find GIFs of wheels online. I would copy it, cut it out, edit it, and yeah, paste it over in Photoshop mm-hmm. Nice, just to see what the wheels would look like. Right. And I know the viewer can't see it, but there's two of them sitting right back over here that Are happen to be two? the wrong yeah. offset. Yeah, uh-huh. right. yeah. The wrong that's offset story behind for the, the car. Yeah, that's yeah. a story behind Jason's coffee table over there. The rims. <laughs> exactly. Or Those off, were the... uh, Andy's bad choice. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> they were the wrong offset, and when I put them on, they rubbed, and I couldn't drive with them. Now, is there a, a mark? I guess just because I'm sure you mm-hmm. looked into this, is there a market for these parts that once you get them, you're like, uh uh-uh. uh. As far as for, or is it kind of like what you ran into? If Unless it's what somebody wants, they're not looking for it. I, I was lucky enough to sell the, the seats. I put them on Craigslist. And a guy met me in California, and I sold them for a third of what I paid for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, several little brackets and, and other items that I that I picked up. I was able to sell the Power Glide to a guy who was drag racing because it's a great drag racing transmission. I didn't want it. I put a 700R4 because I wanted a four-speed with overdrive. Um, I sold the original rear end to a guy who was making a like factory restoration where I wanted a different rear end. I wanted a different lock uh, tr- uh differential i want a different mm-hmm. braking system so the parts that i had that were original that i ended up not using i was able to sell i'd say 40 percent of mm-hmm. either on craigslist or ebay or locally there in sacramento we went to a couple car shows where they had swap meets stuff like that that's cool that's cool absolutely so so the brakes going back you you, you changed them to to all disc 
did do you I don't know how to bleed brakes. I mean, is it a pretty easy process? Is there I mean, how do you know you've got the right um force to to stop the master cylinder stop it and all that good stuff i mean are those pretty easy brakes if you've done brakes before bleeding a brake by yourself you can either do it by two ways one you buy a pressure bleeder which Mm -hmm. you hook up to an air compressor Mm -hmm. that you have pressure on top of the master cylinder and you sit there at each brake and you open up the line until the literally a little wrench until a wrench comes out or you do like i did and use what's called a reverse bleeding system which is a hand pump where you have a hose connected to a jug of brake fluid at your feet, and you pump it from the caliper mm-hmm. up to the master cylinder, therefore pushing any air in that line up oh, through right. the master cylinder. Once that's done and you've got brake power, those old cars had a humongous vacuum booster on them. Those mm-hmm. things would stop an elephant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't, I mean, I did my research and I bought the brakes that were designed to fit that car and for that item. It wasn't, that wasn't one of those things where I decided, Hey, let me put brakes from an 89 IROC on this. I bought, (laughs) I bought the brakes that were designed for that car Mm -hmm. and those, those spindles and that rear axle. Yeah. And going back to the engine, it was already pretty much rebuilt. I I couldn't stop there though. Right. Okay. So what did you do? Uh, I ended up researching cams. What's the intake duration I want? What's the exhaust Mm -hmm. duration? That was a learning process in itself. Um, I wanted high-ratio lifters, so I took off the original stamped rockers and put on high-ratio 1.7 rocker arms on it. I had to go from a flat tap it to a roller cam. These were things that I wanted to learn. All right, so let me ask you this while it's fresh on my mind. California emissions. What did you have to do to that car, or, or did it? I'm not what? sure what <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, did you put a cat on this thing? No. Okay. Never registered it. Okay. California didn't know it existed. Okay. The minute I got it, I sent the title that I had from California back to the wonderful state of Kentucky because that was military. Gotcha. Registered it out of state, titled it, Bob's your uncle. Okay, gotcha. Very that cool. Kentucky car has is from Kentucky. It's just visiting. But when it comes to California cars like that, if it's older than a certain year, they didn't require it to be a smog tested. Mm-hmm. His grandfather had, those. It in. was it was a classic car. It was a right. historic car. It was, right. cla- it was already in. Gotcha. So, what kind of exhaust did you put on this thing? Straight stainless steel backs into two Flowmaster fifties. Okay. So with, it, a, with a crossover pipe. So it is a very yes. quiet car, is what you're saying. Well, you <laughs> I'm, run sure, I'm sure it had a nice deep rumble. Oh well, yeah, exactly. It actually, the funny thing was, is when I originally put it on, I had what are called turn down exhaust. Okay. So the exhaust would come out the rear end, and, the, and it would dump down right. underneath, underneath the wheel wells near the gas tank. It was too much. Mm-hmm. It was just too loud. So I ended up taking it and and kind of pushing them out the side. Gotcha. Okay. Which, Sounded yep. better down the, in the long run, but because it was too hard to drive the car in it. Right. Plus, my wife would say she always smelled like fuel because it was carbureted. <laughs> sure, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, okay, let's talk it's about the power, the baby. It's the power. That's right. Was it Edelbrock? What, what did you put no, on I this? put a Demon carb on Demon. it because okay. at yeah. the time, I as I was getting towards the end of the build, I wanted it done. Mm-hmm. If I were to go down the rabbit hole of carburetors and jets and everything like that, I think I would have just gone a little bit crazy. Right. So now, I bought, go ahead. You would have driven it over tonight. <laughs> well, so I ended up buying a carb, which I knew had a good CFM. It was at a good brand name. It was what I had researched to be a very reliable, good, drop it on, start it up carburetor. And that's what I wanted. I didn't want a car that was going to go zero to 60 in 1.1 seconds. I wanted a car that I could drive and enjoy. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, did that car, the, that 68 that you had, did that have the cow induction? No, it did oh. not. No. It was a base model 68 with just the small block, the 302 in it. Right. 
Now I'm gonna another silly question. I'm sorry. I keep saying that 327. Why 327. am I 327? 327. Yeah. Now we were talking about. You touched on the interior as far as what you did on gauges and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Did you go with the uh, high intensity discharge lights, LEDs <laughs> all around, or oh, to go back to gauges? Uh, that's something interesting. There are so many custom made gauges out there that you can buy that has everything built into it. The dash in my car was old and it worked. But if I were to get the gauges for individual items, mm-hmm. I would have been out of mint. Oh, yeah. I bought these gauges that had everything built into them. So each, like the steering, the, the speedometer had the left and right turn signal in it as opposed to the lights on the dash that would light up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as, what was the last thing you asked? <laughs> oh, as far as, no, that's fine. Yeah, putting, um, so the gauges on the inside, but then uh, as far as just, Putting LEDs around or high discharge lights. Just I put to... LED rear tail lights. Okay. Because the the Camaro has a very unique wide light, and it required three lights in each one. And I really like this the Audi style where you hit it and it would sequentially move to yeah. the left yeah. and move to the right. <laughs> right. That was a splurge. That was nice. an expensive splurge that I thought was really neat. And at the time after I did it, I never saw it. So, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but everybody else said that's really cool. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I'm going to put a sequencer on my backup lights or my brake lights because that looks really cool. But you'll never see them. No. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> it's the coolest thing you'll never see. So, so let's talk about the stance of this car because a lot of people that are into, um, I mean, you got your stock guys and you got your resto guys that that like a little bit of a lower stance, and you're talking about the camber, especially in the back, maybe offset just a tad bit. You put larger rims on this thing correct yes and that that really does make a a big difference in in my opinion on the on the look of a car so i'm pretty much a stock guy but i don't mind changing out rims but um so uh were they offset to you know some degree or that on the rear it depended on how much lowering you went what was your leaf spring like Mm -hmm. i actually my entire rear end of my car came from a 71 nova okay which was the exact same car Minus the body lines. Hmm. I wanted a, I, I had an original 7.5 inch rear end. I wanted an 8.5 inch rear end because I wanted to put a locker in it to get my positive traction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ended up getting a rear end from a 71 Nova with the leaf springs, dug it out of pull apart. I got a locker out of an 87 Grand National, which I put in there. And then it ended up ordering 30 spline axles because that's what it took to go into that locker. <laughs> The stance was all about personal preference. I like wheels that, that meet the edge of the fender well. Mm-hmm. I think if they're inside of it, you're losing something. Mm-hmm. Personal opinion. But as far as the offset on the front, I didn't know enough, hence the two rims sitting over here. I got you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> would, that, would that qualify as a wide body, air quote, wide body? With, with, it, was with called, the... it was considered a pony car. Pony car, okay. So at the time, no, it wasn't considered a very wide car. Mm-hmm. And although it had a really long nose... My head hit the roof. Mm-hmm. Jason could barely fit in it. Jason can barely fit in a lot of it. <laughs> well, true. Yeah, I, I am freak challenged. of nature. Yeah, right. I could not wear a hat while sitting on the factory seats in the car. Mm-hmm. Wow. It sounds like this was a fun build, and I think you got everything you wanted out of uh, building it from pieces to the final product right. uh, your yeah. way. I, love uh, I have not seen the car, so uh, I feel kind of disappointing that – uh, I never got an opportunity to see this car because it sounds like a really cool build. The only regret I have, and Jason knows this, we've talked about it, 
I had originally designed and planned on putting a five-speed in it. I'm a manual transmission guy. That's what I like. But I thought, well, I'll go ahead and put an automatic in here. I'll put a four-speed automatic. That way, if we go to a car show and my wife wants to drive it, she doesn't do stick. She can drive it. Or if we're out, have a few drinks, she can drive it home. Mm-hmm. She never drove it. Again, she said she smelled like fuel all the time. <laughs> right. That's if the I had kept and put a manual in, I believe I'd still have it today. Gotcha. So, how, so wrapping this up here, how long did you enjoy the car after you finally put that last bolt on and I loved driving the car in California. We drove it around quite a bit, um, and then I got restationed back in Kentucky. Uh, we shipped it back. Set in your garage. We got our house, moved it in my garage. I took it to some car shows, but I never drove it. I don't know why. It's a mental thing. I like to build. I like to learn. I like to just complete. But the final product, unfortunately, isn't my thing. I would rather build it, sell it, start something with new. That, with that being said, Andy, so uh, have you thought about any uh, potential new builds? What's next? <laughs> I really want to build or rebuild a Defender, a Land Rover Defender 90. All right, right on. That's a complete, three, you know, oh. 180 from, from a Camaro. But equally an awesome vehicle. My son is moving oh, yeah. to Japan for work, so he has the ability to find a lot of cars that we can't find here in the States mm-hmm. and ship it back over. Wow. Nice. I hope that works out. I hope you find one. Me too. <laughs> Very cool. Well, uh, Andy, thank you for your time here today. Uh, thank you for your services to the country. Absolutely. We certainly Absolutely. so much. Thank you yeah. for your service. And uh, thank you guys for joining us here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast. And if you enjoy the podcast, like us on Facebook, subscribe so you're notified of new shows. And please leave us a review because your reviews are the most powerful way you can help us reach more people. Thanks for listening, and until next time, happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast.